Psalm 106, I'll begin reading in verse 6. Psalm 106, verse 6. And oh, I hope you have a what with you? All right. So if you're new to our church, maybe this was a surprise because I, I go to other churches in the summertime sometimes like, wow, does anybody carry a Bible? You're going to use the Bible? I know it's rare. We use our Bible. So bring one because I'm not putting it up on the screen because I don't want you to see it on the screen because I want you to get a real Bible. Even if it's an app, we'll allow that. Even if it's an app in your lap, but I want you to see it for yourself because this is powerful. Psalm 106 verse 6. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. Look at me a minute. What he's talking about is the Israelites ended up in bondage as slaves in the land of Egypt for 430 years. And that was the powerhouse in that day. Egypt was the national, the nation of power in every way. And there were slaves there for 430 years. So he says, our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. God heard their cries and he raised up who? Who did he raise up to deliver them? Moses. And he didn't just knock on Pharaoh's door and say, let my people go. And he said, all right, I get it. You're right, go. It was a long drawn out deliverance. On purpose, God tells us in his word, it was on purpose so that it would put on display who is really God and who is not. Because basically it was a demoralizing, humiliating exodus. Because by the time they left, they had mocked all of the Egyptians' gods. I don't know if you know that, but all those plagues, frogs all over there. They worshipped frogs, flies, darkness. He, He just pummeled them with calamities that were associated with their own gods and then the coup de gras that final moment where he said all right i'm going to slay every firstborn because pharaoh kept changing his mind he said all right go go remove the flies go and as soon as they remove the flies or god removed the flies he changed his mind but after there was screaming in the night as every single household found someone slain But for the Jews, they had dipped a hyssop branch in the blood of a lamb and marked the doorposts on all sides. And he said, we'll pass over. We'll pass over that home. And that was a picture, a foretaste of what was to come. And he leads them out, but they get get to the Red Sea and Pharaoh changes his mind again, comes with his army, powerhouse, and there's the sea in front of them and there's... Pharaoh's army behind them, and they don't even remember what God just did. This is not months or years, folks. They saw God do what he did in the land of Egypt, and they're right here up against the Red Sea with the army behind them, and they say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? How could God do this? He's brought, you've brought us out here to die. Look at it again. Verse 7, our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Verse 8, nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake. You ought to thank God for every nevertheless in the Bible. Right there. God does so often what he does in spite of us. Despite the fact that we don't honor him, don't remember him, don't keep in mind who he is, nevertheless, not, oh, 
They looked directly to him and they trusted him. We saw what you just did. We know you can do it again. Nope. But nevertheless, he saved them for his, his name's sake. That he might make his power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also. And it dried up. He led them through the depths as through the wilderness. Now notice the wording in verse 10. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them. And redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. In the Old Testament. This parting of the Red Sea. Was the big God event. That pictures redemption and salvation that we experience in the New Testament. This was the event. If you read your Bible, and how much of your Bible do I want you to be reading? If you read your Bible, all of it. In the Old Testament, you'll see they continually look back to the Red Sea parting. The Red Sea parting. The Red Sea parting. That was their big God redemption salvation event. Whereas for us, under the New Covenant... We look back, we're we're still looking back, but we look back to a hill called Calvary. And we see where God parted our sin through the blood of his son and redeemed us and saved us and rescued us from our enemy, Satan. Verse 11, the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Ah, verse 12, that's that's where we should live. Verse 12, Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. But look what happens next in verse 13. You see it? It ought to be. They believed his word. They sang his praise. They never doubted again. They knew who he truly was. They had it in mind. It gave them courage when when what they saw was not encouraging. But they know their God. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. They've learned his character. They cling to his promises. Now... They believed his word. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. Now let me help you. This is not a let's bash the Jews moment. I hope every time when you're reading your Old Testament, you ought to always say, that's me. That's me. That's me. As far as how many people forget God and what he's done for you, just raise your little hand. Oh, man, we're guilty of it. That's why God gave us the Lord's Supper. It's not just some empty, vain ritual. Hey, why don't, you, why don't I give you this so you can fill up some worship time because you might be wondering what to do. No, God knows we need to remember Remember, remember, they soon forgot. We soon forget. In a room this size, I'm not picking on you, but I don't have to know you intimately. I live with me, right? I live with me. And I've been a pastor for 30 years coming alongside people that are struggling. We so often swerve out of the main path of where we ought to be over into verse 13. And some of you, I'm convinced, are in verse 13 right now today. You've forgotten. You've forgotten. They soon forgot. It's like, oh, I know God saved me and I'm not on my way to hell. If you ever find yourself saying those phrases quickly, smack yourself. It's because usually you're on your way somewhere else. I know God saved me and I'm not on my way to hell, but I need a job. But my child is, but 
And we're so guilty of, what has God done for me lately? Folks, listen. There's no comparison. A health issue, a job issue, a child issue, a relationship issue, the economy, insurance, the world, ISIS. All of that is reason to be afraid. Don't hear me saying, what's wrong with you? But it doesn't compare to the problem that is solved for you if you're here and you know Jesus Christ. Your biggest problem has been solved and you should never forget or get over it. So that's why he gave us the Lord's Supper. So let me show you what it is we're celebrating. So let me connect. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Let me show you what we're celebrating and what it is that we should appreciate that we need to remember and celebrate. Remember and celebrate. Remember and celebrate. Hebrews chapter 6, which by the way, a little plug for Bible reading. If you don't read all the Bible, the book of Hebrews is not that interesting. If you do read all your Bible, oh my goodness, Hebrews is like bam, 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 bam. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Now, when you see the word hope in the Bible, we're not talking about, well, I hope. You think the Bengals will win their opener game? Well, I hope so. And that's how you should say that about the Bengals, for sure. <laughs> Though I think it's going to be a good year. And I'm DVRing that little puppy because I have a meeting. But I'm going to watch. So don't text me the score at all because I'll be watching that later. But that's not the kind of hope we're talking about when the Bible uses that word. When the Bible uses the word hope, it is a confident expectation of future blessing based on the character and promises of God. This hope we have as a what? Say it. Do you have your Bible open? Or do you have some wild version that doesn't say anchor? You probably do. But if you got the New King James, please say anchor. First service did so much better, I got to tell you. Lots of you, but you are not paying attention. As an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Jesus went back behind the veil in the Holy of Holies, not just once a year like the human priest did, but once for all. Presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even, what's his name, who went back there for us? Jesus, having become high priest, how long? Forever. We're just not used to forever. Uh, There's no forever. Everything in this life has an expiration date. Everything in this life starts to fall apart. Everything in this life that you thought was a good deal then isn't a good deal. And you find a cabin you like to stay at. And we're just always going to do that. And then it changes hands to a different property. And it's, it's not available. Or it's starting to fall apart. Everything in this life is like, well, that restaurant was good. But we go back. It's under new management. Or I don't know what they're thinking. But it's not good. This relationship's good. And it's not good. Nothing in this life is forever. But you read the book of Hebrews, and I want to tell you two words you should look for. Forever and better. Forever and better. Forever and better. Now, I hope you can get a hold of forever just by being a human being with a pulse. If you're alive, I hope you can relate to nothing in this life is forever. But better you're going to struggle with unless you read your Old Testament. Better than what? If you read the book of Hebrews, you'll see the word better 13 times you have the right translation it's a better hope a better mediator a better covenant better promises 
A better high priest. It's better, better, better. And it's better because it's forever. And it's better because it's once for all. And it's better because it doesn't have to be repeated. And it's better because it doesn't change. Woo! Better. Skip to chapter 7, verse 18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment. Because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. So he's talking about the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Which, get this, he didn't give us the Ten Commandments for you to try to obey them perfectly and get saved. You could never do it. So when he talks about a weakness with the former commandment, the weakness was not in the commandments. There's nothing wrong with God's law. The weakness is in us. You can't keep it. You cannot do it. Even the people that answer that way to me when I say, do you think you're going to heaven? They always have enough sense to put a three-letter word in there. Try. I try to keep the, say it, Ten Commandments. I haven't had anybody yet say, well, I keep the Ten Commandments, dude, perfectly. Never broke one. No, they say try. Which I'm glad they're trying because it makes for a better society. But trying to keep the Ten Commandments will not get you into heaven. The commandments were given So that you'd have a standard to look to. And when you try to keep it, you fall short. And you say, I need some other kind of help. I need a savior. I need mercy. I can't do this. I need someone else to do this for me. Enter Jesus. Jesus. For the law made nothing perfect, verse 19, chapter 7. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better, say it, better hope. Through which we draw near to God. Now also, if you're not reading your Old Testament, you might not appreciate this whole, we'll draw near to God. We'll draw near to God. And we sing songs like that. And it's a concept that we traffic in regularly as, as believers, New Testament believers. But get this. Apart from Jesus Christ and his death, burial, resurrection, and ascending to the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. There was none of this draw near to God. It was stay back. In the Old Testament, even he said, don't even get near Mount Sinai while I'm there meeting with with Moses. Touch the mountain and you'll die. It was stay back, stay back, stay back. He's scary. There's thunder, lightning, black clouds, huge rumbling. Stay back. And now, because of Jesus Christ, there's all this draw near to God talk. Say, thank you, Lord. And it's not drawn, it's not like check yourself out, get yourself cleaned up, go through a serious checklist, don't dare just come. Oh, that isn't the case. It's look to Jesus who's already gone before you. And as you come and draw near to God, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ in you. And because you've got a robe of righteousness from Jesus that covers you. Say, wow. That's what the gospel's about. That's what it means to be saved. That's what, that's what we're talking about when you say, why is Jesus a big deal? And when the world harps on us and mocks us and saying we're so, we're so narrow, we're so intolerant, it's just, folks, apart from Jesus, there's no other, no one else did this. You can't draw near to God through Muhammad or Buddha or anybody else. Joseph Smith is dead. All the other guys that started false religions are dead. Christianity is the only religion that has a living leader. And an empty tomb. Draw near to God. 
Draw near to God. Verse 22, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a, what? Better covenant. A covenant, folks, was simply a way by which two warring parties or enemies could be reconciled, made right. And it almost always involved the slaying of an animal. And they would divide it in half, burn it, and walk down through there together. There's a better covenant now. And it's not an animal. It's not a a heifer, an ox, a goat, a bull, a lamb, grain offering, the swinging of sweet-smelling incense. It's Jesus who died and gave his life and rose again, conquering sin and death and hell and Satan. That's the new covenant in Jesus. And that's why it is so much, say it, better. None of us had to bring an offering. None of us had to bring an animal. None of us have to kill anything. He's done this. And how many times did he need to do it? Once. For how many people? Once for all. Once for all. Once for all. That's better. Verse 23. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. All right. So someone would be priest and then he dies. We've got to get another one. But because he continues, Jesus continues how long? Here's our other word. Forever. Because he continues forever and has an unchangeable priesthood. Here's one of my favorite verses, verse 25. And please tell my wife, I do not say that about every verse. She says that I do. I don't. Here is one of my favorite verses. Because look at how good this is. Therefore, he... And see, the therefore is tying to what he's been saying. There's a better covenant, better hope better high priest, better sacrifice. And now he can say, therefore, he is also able to save. To what extent can God save now through Jesus Christ? Don't you like that? To the uttermost, there is nobody so sinful, so broken, so rebellious, so lost, doing something so heinous that they are outside the hope of God. God can save. There's no one you should put in the category of, but, no way. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he ever lives to make intercession for them. No one who's ever come to God in the name of Jesus, through Jesus, has ever been turned back and said, oh, whoa, 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 I didn't mean you. You are that exception. Read the fine print clause. No, nobody, nobody able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Verse 26, for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens who does not need daily as those other high priests. So that, the, the human priests had to make some sacrifices for their own sins before they could even deal with the people. Jesus doesn't, does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once for all. When he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected, say it. See our words, better, forever, better, forever, better, forever. 
Chapter 8, verse 1. Now this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. Skip to verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator, That's a courtroom law term, like an attorney, an advocate. He is a mediator. Jesus stands between the God of the universe and you and mediates. This is, oh, Father, wait a minute. This one's mine. This, she's mine. He's mine. They've put their trust in me. Look, I've, I've paid that price. I, I took the blow for them. Look at the robe of righteousness. He is a mediator of what kind of covenant? A better covenant, which was established on what kind of promises? Better promises. So usually when we think of the word better, it's almost always as we're churning away silently, usually silently, and thinking how other people have it better. Or different times were better than this. Or even sometimes in your life were better than they are now. Almost always when we stew on the word better, we're on the losing end of the stick. I want you to recognize right here, regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of how much is wrong in this fallen, broken world. If you know Jesus Christ, you're on the winning end of that word better. You have a better promise, a better hope, a better covenant, a better mediator, a better high priest and how long is it like that it's our other word forever do you feel better you should and don't be confused i'm not just a cheerleader and this is not the crystal cathedral and i'm not robert Schuler just trying to stir it up maybe if i say it with enough enthusiasm it might be true folks i am telling you what is true And trying to help us to recognize we need to remember what's true. And it is worthy of some emotions. And even when you feel nothing, you need to keep coming back here and say, God, bring my emotions in this direction. Because this is what's true. This is what's true. This is what's true. And I don't know how you do it, some of you. I don't know how some of you do it not reading your Bible. I don't read this because I feel guilty and it's legalistic. And I read this because I'm desperate. I read this because the news overwhelms me. I read this because if I hear one more neighbor who's had a child commit suicide or, or another neighbor who's leaving their spouse or another adultery or another cancer or another, I don't know what to do with all that. If I don't come here and be reminded of the bigger picture that there's something better and it's forever and I have a savior and my biggest problem has been solved because I start to be overwhelmed by all these problems. I don't like it when someone on the way out the door says, well, that was nice, Pastor. But now we got to go back out in the real world. I'm going to smack the next person that says that. Because <laughs> I want to say, shut up. I just showed you the real world. You're going back out into carnivals and mirrors. Because the world will deceive you and twist your thinking. This is real. This is real. I'm not taking you to the land of make-believe. This is oh so real. And you won't get it on CNN News. And you won't get it in the, in the newspapers. You won't get it in a blog. But you got to go to God's word to say, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's something better and it's forever. And my biggest problem has been solved. 
And when you take that into Monday morning, it doesn't change your boss. Oh, I got someone new. But it changes you and the way you respond to that boss. And it doesn't just change your marriage immediately, but it changes how you respond to that marriage. And it doesn't, right? I'll let you do that for yourself. Whatever your deal is, it changes your deal. So let's stand together and sing of some of what God has done in solving our biggest problem. That doesn't have to be renewed. There's no expiration date on it. And it involved him taking on flesh and coming down to us so that he knows what you feel like as you struggle.